Well, let me pray to start off with. I know we just had a prayer, but you can't get too much of it, can you? <coughs> well, God, I thank you for the amazing works that you've been doing through Junction over the last few months and your spirit being quite evidently here. And I pray that the uh, words that are about to come out of my mouth, the ones that are of me are quickly forgotten, but the ones that are of you are what stand in people's hearts and resonates in them. I pray that you bless me and guide me and let me be open to your spirit where you want to lead me, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that this place is a place of power. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Right. I'm going to have to stand still. Right. Let me step back. Right, we're talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues as we've been going through the gifts of the Spirit. Or more accurately, the gift of language. So the Greek used... See, Shane Gordon isn't here because he's, he's the Greek and Hebrew man, isn't he? But the Greek used was the word glossa, which translates literally to tongues. But in the New Testament, contextually, it means the gift of language. Or, my favourite word used in the New Testament in Greek is glossa hose puris. Do you want to say that? Glossa hose puris. One more time. Glossa hose puris. Does anyone know what that means? Exactly. It means tongues of fire. Glossa hose puris. Now, you won't need that in life, but I just thought it was cool. But let's start right at the very beginning and go through a brief history of language. Are you ready for this? We've got, you've got four hours, right? Once upon a time. So we're, gonna go, we're only going to go very brief into the history of language in the Bible. So it all starts in the Garden of Eden where man, Adam and Eve, had one language. And that language was a language in direct communication with God. As direct as anyone has ever been in communication with God, there was in direct communication, one language on the earth. And then the fall, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They were pushed out of the garden, still with one language, but banished from Eden. And mankind continued to have one language, all the way up to Genesis 11. So... And this is the Tower of Babel, or Babel, whatever you want to call it. And what they did was the people in one language began to build a temple to edify themselves and to put themselves kind of on a pedestal so that they wouldn't be scattered. The Bible says it's to make a name for themselves so they would not be scattered. But the Lord came down, this is in um, Genesis 11, chapter 5. It says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them them all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. I'm going to go through a lot of water with this, Mike. So the people all got together to build a tower to make a name for themselves. And then 
the idea of that was to replace God in their hearts and put them on a pedestal. So God came down and confused their language and dispersed them throughout all of the land. I read this somewhere. It said that pride is the birthplace of sin. And regrettably, man has decided to use every advantage, including language, to usurp God's authority and place himself upon a throne which is not rightfully his. And this is what we see at the Tower of Babel. People using anything in their power, using language to put themselves on a throne which is not rightfully ours. And that's what we see throughout a lot of mankind. So God scatters them, confuses their language. And says, right, you lot can go and worship whoever you want. You go do what you want, continue sinning. Now that could be the end of it for us, really. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't end it for us. He chooses one people. And that is through Abraham, later Abraham. Um, through Israel and the Hebrew language to edify God and spread God's word through the nation. And then these languages that were scattered would fast forward to now, be passed down many, many times and adjusted slightly to where we are now. But that is God's input on language. But if we rewind back a little bit to Acts, because I love Acts, as you probably know, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we see God giving the gift of tongues, or the gift of language, to be used for the very purpose language was made in the first place, and that is to uplift and edify God for the furthering of his kingdom. To bring people to him. And the divide of language at the Tower of Babel is brought to its knees and people, so that people of all languages could hear God's works and God's goodness. So this is absolutely huge. This is just massive. This is like the whole point of Jesus is to spread the word after Jesus so that we could all come to God through Jesus. And this is God undoing the damage that was done at the Tower of Babel. And this is giving everyone a chance to finally hear the good news. To finally hear the message of God, which, like I say, after all, is the Great Commission. Through the Holy Spirit allowing this commission to be in fulfilment. And we will, I'll read um, Acts 2 in, in a little bit. But we can see the benefit in biblical times. It's quite clear to see the benefit in biblical times was that not everyone understood what people of this day and age understand. Because not everybody understood the Bible. They didn't have the Bible in all the languages we have now. They did not have Google Translate. So tongues, so tongues is powerful. Because it was meaning that people of all different languages could hear about God. In a language they understood. Now, I work for a French company, Saviages, I know it's terrible, but I work for a French company and I don't understand what they're saying half of the time, and that's why it's terrible, because I'm on the phone like, please can you... So I email them a lot, and with thanks to Google Translate, we are able to work together, mostly efficiently, but we can understand each other and communicate with each other. But then why these tongues beneficial for us now. And that's hopefully what I'm going to try and unpack and explain a little bit today for you. So in Mark 16, 17, this is when we hear Jesus talking about tongues. Now, I go by the rule of if Jesus said it, it's pretty safe to say 
it's truth. And if Jesus said it, it's pretty safe to say that is what he wants of us. If he says this is what will happen, that is going to happen. Okay? That's, that's what I go by. So in Mark 16, 17, it says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. And that's a whole other sermon. But they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. This is Jesus saying that the gift of come, the tongues, will come to those who believe. So Jesus is saying that a sign of a believer is speaking in tongues. Jesus doesn't say the only sign of a believer is speaking in tongues. He doesn't say everyone has to speak in tongues. But a sign of a believer is that of speaking in tongues. Now at this time, we think, oh that's a nice, that's a nice verse. Sign of believers speaking in tongues. But at this time, no one has ever spoken in tongues. The Holy Spirit is not on the earth yet. So they would have been thinking, what is this crazy dude speaking about? Because no one had heard of tongues at this time. And then shortly following that, we get the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. And Jesus leads us in the earthly sense. Then the next time we hear of tongues, is as I spoke about, is in Acts 2. So... You can find this actually. Let's do a sword drill. Have everyone got their Bibles? Get your Bibles. Make sure you're awake. We'll do it without a clock. Makes it easy. Right. So, close your Bibles. Or with the clock. Alright. Close your Bibles. And you. I get the help nowadays. Are you timing down to the end of my sermon? Right, and then Jesus said to the disciples that you should speak in tongues and you should. Did you get it? Amen. Right, close your Bibles and find Acts 2, verse 2. Go. Acts 2, verse 2. And they were speaking tongues. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. I'll show that. Mine, mine's there. It's there. Oh, so that's why. Okay. So that's. Okay. Alright. Everyone got it? Alright. I shall read. So I'm going to start from verse 2. Acts 2, verse 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from the heavens and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Does everyone remember the Greek? (laughs) Tongues of fire. Glossa Jose Puris. That's good. That means you've been paying attention. That's good. <laughs> what seemed to be tongues of fire. Now I've lost myself. <laughs> that separated and came to rest on each of them. All 
of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the type of tongue, don't worry about it. As the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. That's a great word. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Right, here we go. Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, and and Pam, wherever that said, Egypt, and the parts of, of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear the Cretans and Arabs. <laughs> Cretans? <laughs> just, just checking you awake. <laughs> I bet the Cretans here. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The tongue of the Cretan. Amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Now I'm not going to go into that last sentence, but if you want to like, understand what was said afterwards about the you drunk too much wine it's because it was really early in the morning and the crowd are addressed and that's put to bed but we'll be here all day talking about that but the point of this is as a direct result of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues people spoke in tongues as a direct result of the Holy Spirit so this is an example of speaking in tongues that I think people can readily understand tongues here is essentially speaking a language you cannot speak. It's not going and learning a language, it's a, you can speak a language that you cannot speak. That is very confusing, but that is what happens here. And it's, that's the easy part of tongues to understand. If you hear someone that is Arabic start speaking in English and you know they can't speak English, you can understand that. So, I've got a story about this. I say a story, it's a real life story, so it's just a story, but when I was in church in Birmingham, in Battelle, we have had big events in the churches, so all the churches of Battelle from over the country and from Spain came over for a, for a weekend, for Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning of worship to God. And on the Saturday night, we got people, I mean we're talking at about five, 500 people in this room, and the back right hand corner for the Spaniards. They're there in the corner with their headphones on because they don't understand the English being translated to them. And he's talking about the gift of the Spirit. And then he was like, actually, no, I'm not going to preach anymore. Just stopped halfway through and I was like, what's this dude doing? You can't just stop a sermon. I want to know what the end is. Come on. But he's like, no, no, God's telling me to stop. So he called people up that could speak in tongues, which is a bit like, whoa. But so certain loads of people went up. Must be about... 80, 90 people went up to the front that could speak in tongues. And then he said, does anyone who doesn't speak in tongues want to speak in tongues? They went up. And he said, I don't want to hear any Spanish or any English. Pray for, pray for these people in tongues. And ask for God to uh, help them, enable them to speak in tongues. And so we're doing this, which is probably a bit of a, would be a strange experience to a lot of people, but I was quite used to this sort of thing. And... Um, 
And then someone starts shouting, Hallelujah, praise be to God, Jesus Christ died for my sins. And then the preacher's like, Hey, dude, like, no English. And we're like, Phew. Yeah, no English, dude. And then his friend standing next to him said, No, 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 he, he doesn't speak a word of English. And his tongue was English. That is God giving him as well the gift of translation, maybe, of what other people were saying in tongues to praise God. And that for me was like, and it's one of those things where you have a decision to make from a observer or from someone hearing of <laughs> that didn't happen, he spoke in English anyway or God can do this that is what God does we so easily put limitations on God because our earthly understanding says that that can't happen but it can happen and it does happen and I've seen it happen and quite a few people are nodding probably because they've seen similar things happen of God's awesome power so we can't limit him so that is a real evident example of what was happening at the time of Pentecost. Which was quite amazing to be around. He didn't even finish the sermon the next day, which I was ashamed about. But oh well, someone else preached and he was probably good, I can't remember it. But moving on. So then we go to Corinthians. And we're 1 Corinthians 14, which we will, if you all want to find it, 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to be jumping about this for the rest of the sermon. Paul writes that, the, writes that the people speaking in tongues speaks a language no one understands. A spiritual, not of this world language. So in 1 Corinthians 14.2 1 Corinthians 14.2 says this Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them they utter mysteries by the Spirit. So this is a gift of tongues, a bit opposite than what we've just heard. This is no one understands them, it's mysteries of the Spirit. And it's a personal thing between you and God. But it can still be used as a gift to edify God from yourself and for others. So what we see here is two completely different types of gift, both used for the same purpose of edifying him. One, a language of this world given by God to edify him to the spirit. And another, a language not of this world given by God to your spirit to edify him. So we've got two different types. So the first one, I'm going to break it down a bit to make it a bit more understandable. Because at the minute, it's confusing because we've got two different types of things. And one of them says, no one who speaks in tongues understands it. The first gift of tongues is the communal gift. It is the tongue that people understand. The praising of God in a language people understand. So it's the... Someone that speaks something completely random... I don't know, Dutch. Someone comes in, speaks Dutch, doesn't speak a word of English, and comes and sits at the back of Junction, and no one here speaks Dutch. Does anyone speak Dutch? Cool, that was a... Oh, you do? Of course you do, yeah. Well, we've got one person speaking... Unfortunately, you're not here that day. It was such a shame. <laughs> but you listen to it later on on the website and you're empowered by it. Um, so the guy there, the guy sitting there, you can imagine him now, he's sitting there in his Dutchness, thinking, what is going on? What is going on? I don't understand the word they're saying. And then Alex stands up and starts speaking a tongue, which is the word of God in Dutch. Now, we don't understand that. But he does. 
is a word that you can understand, not a tongue that you have learnt, but a tongue that God has given. So that's one type. And as I said, it's kind of simple to understand that sort of type. Um, But as well as this, it might not be an earthly language, it could be a spiritual language, not of this earth. A spiritual language of God. Not known to this world that is to be interpreted. Which is where it gets a little bit more complicated. So, in 1 Corinthians 14, because you've all still got your Bibles open, because you're good like that. 14 verse 4. Through to six. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, I come to you and speak in tongues. What good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? So that's saying that speaking a communal tongue is completely and utterly useless unless it is interpreted. So a communal tongue should not be raised in self-edification. If I come up here now and preach to you in tongues, and no one comes to interpret, you wouldn't be here for two minutes, would you? I'm going. What's he talking about? But if someone interprets, then that holds power. So, but the whole point is to edify God and to the church. The whole thing we learn from the gift of the Spirit is that it is for the common good. So it's got to be to edify God and to uplift the church. So the first type of interpretation is from others. This is where we learned from Phil last week about discernment from the Spirit. Is God telling me, is this a word from God to go and share? So this gives you a bit of a catch-22 if you feel like God's giving you a tongue. Because if I speak in tongues and someone isn't going to go and share, then you haven't, it's not been interpreted so that tongue holds no weight. But you should step out and do that. But if no one does, then what do you do? If someone's not going to interpret. And so we read on in uh, verse 13 to 15. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So if you are given a tongue to speak out, it is okay if you interpret it. Okay? You should in fact be praying for that. You should be praying that if I speak this tongue out, God, will you help me interpret it? Tongues is your spirit calling out from God. Tongues is your spirit calling out separate from your mind. So what you should do is you should pray and say, God, I've got, God, this tongue is of you. Please help my mind understand what you're saying in my spirit. It's separate. So you must always pray to link those two things up so that your mind can understand that. And that is why Jesus said, tongues is a sign to believers. 
Because it isn't something that from your mind or your earthly knowledge you can do. It is something from your spirit. Something gift from the Holy Spirit. Which is why it's a sign of a believer. Because those without the Holy Spirit inside them that aren't believers can't speak in tongues. Because it is a gift from God. That your mind doesn't ordinarily understand. Now the reason tongues is so powerful is because like words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of healing, prophecy, is that it comes direct from God, but often in a language you don't understand. So then why don't I just prophesy in my normal language? Why doesn't God just give me a word of wisdom in English? Why doesn't God do that? But let me tell you something. Has anyone, has anyone ever watched The Passion of the Christ? Oh, cool. That means that this bit might make sense. That's good. So that film is in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. With all subtitles. How powerful is that film? That film is so powerful. If that film is in English, I wouldn't feel the power, I don't think, as much as hearing it in the language that was spoken at the time, the languages Jesus would have spoke. And that holds power... So if God has given you a word to be interpreted in a language only he speaks, then let's have it. Let's have it. Let's not, be, let's not hold back, let's not be scared. It is a very powerful expression of the Holy Spirit. It is a very powerful expression of the Holy Spirit. So if God has given you a tongue, pray that your mind will be in line with your spirit to understand it. Or even pray that someone across the room is going to understand what you say. And that's where all the spirits interlock a little bit. It's that discernment. Is this of God? Is God wanting me to keep this to myself? Is God wanting me to speak this out? So that's one gift of tongues. Another is, most of you probably know my dad. I know my dad as, as this. I know my dad as a powerful man of God. Full stop. He is. He's, he's, he's brilliant. I love my dad. Yeah, I know. Um, but my dad has been praying for a long time for a gift. He speaks in tongues, but a gift of a supernatural tongue to benefit people. And his tongue is slightly different to what a lot of people would do on a normal daily basis, if you will. But he would pray for somebody um, and a situation, he was praying for somebody um, about kind of finances and stuff. Oh, Stuart, will you pray for me for finance? Okay, not a problem. So, hands on him, praying for finance. Not a problem, I can do that. And then he starts speaking in tongues to this man. Which, again, is that, should he be doing that? Yes, if his mind is in tune with his spirit and he can interpret. And then he would then say, well, he did then say, God is telling me that, actually, you're in a lot of pain right now. Like, your back is in agony, you're blah, blah, blah. Now, he knew that he had financial issues, but not the reason. And actually, it's because his back, he's not able to work. And he starts praying for his back. But he didn't know that at the time. And he's had a few different situations similar to this. And it's the Holy Spirit telling him where to move in prayer. So the Holy Spirit might not be a communal tongue for the whole church to hear. It might be for one person. In praying. So, and it's a case of exercising that and practicing that. But it's important to note this. That in 19 it says, But in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So if God gives you a word of prophecy in a language everyone understands, then use that. The word in a common tongue holds much more power in a church or to an individual than a tongue that is not interpreted. 
But a gift of communal tongue is not necessarily a gift that you will keep hold of and you will speak out every single week. It's not one of those gifts that you keep hold of. It's very much God's using you when he sees fit. And as we've always seen through this kind of course that we've been doing, it's always for the common good. It's not for your self-edification, it's for edification of the church and for others. And you may be blessed to have that gift once. You may be blessed to have that gift a thousand times. But it is God who chooses who has that gift and when to use it. And it's not a typical gift that you can tap into at any given moment. But as with all these gifts, we should hunger after. We quite often pray for healing. We, we hear of people that are healers. They go around and through the power of God they can heal people. But not everyone they touch is healed. And it's the same as this communal tongue. It's not every service they will speak in tongues. But they might do more than others because this is a gift of tongues. But always for the common good. Never for self-edification, always for the edification of God. It's not about you. But, if he chooses you, that is such a blessing. It's not about you, but he chooses you. It doesn't have to be you, it could be the person next to you. But God chooses you to use these gifts. And that is God saying, I know your heart and your spirit is in tune with me. I'm going to bless you for that. So that's the first type of tongues, which takes a bit longer to get through. (laughs) The second type of tongues is a private tongue. It is that spoken by your spirit to God. In 1 Corinthians 14.2, as we read before, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them, they utter mysteries by the Spirit. So this is a tongue you use in private. This is a tongue even you may not understand. But if your spirit is praying to God, then that's alright. You don't have to understand it. This is the tongue you might stand up in church and hear the person next to you muttering. You might hear them speaking in tongues. That's fine. It's not for you to listen to. They're keeping it between them and God. This is the tongue you hear in a prayer room. This is the tongue you hear just randomly during the day. Hopefully you hear someone sitting next to you at work speaking in tongues. How amazing would that be? But this is the tongue that is used on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> I do. People next to me hear me speak in tongues at, ch- at work. Pardon? Oh, I don't speak. My tongue is not French. That would be really good, wouldn't it? How amazing would that be? Pour du mon café au lait, s'il te plaît? And? Yeah? I don't know the response unless it's yes. Yeah. Yeah, unless, unless the response is a coffee, I don't understand what they're saying, to be fair. <laughs> but this is a tongue used in private. And it's okay if no one, understand, no one else understands it, if you understand it. It's not loud, it's not to the congregation, it's to God. It's like when you're in, when you're in prayer, or you're in worship, and you hear people go, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, Christ be King, whatever you want to be. Raise them up, Lord. Whatever it might be. It's like that, but instead of your mind saying it, it's your spirit saying it. It's your spirit lifting out Christ to God in only a language he understands. So it's okay to mutter this in church. It's okay to do this in the car. This is your tongue you get and you keep hold of. If your spirit is in line with God. This is the tongue you speak regularly to uplift and edify God. 
In eight, verse 18 it says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So this is Paul saying he speaks in tongues outside of church. More than all of them. He is regularly doing this, and so should we. Speaking in tongues is not your mind praising God, but your spirit praising God. And it is evidence of the spirit being in you. So if you have that, keep using it. Keep your spirit in tune with God. Don't let it go. God doesn't take these gifts away, but you can take them away from yourselves. If you don't keep practicing that and keep your spirit in tune with God, that can be forgotten. Keep your spirit strong. In praise with the Lord. I remember when I first started speaking in tongues, a week later, Dad said, have you spoken in tongues this week? I said, no. And he said, do it. And I went, what are you going on about, you crazy man? <laughs> he said, do it. And I said, okay. Uh, 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 uh. He pulled the car over. We're going to pray for that, so that's for your spirit to be in line with God again. And we didn't drive off for about 45 minutes till I started praying in tongues because he knew that, that my spirit wasn't right and that was the proof that my spirit was right. And that is you keeping hold of him. So to summarise, tongues is very biblical. It's very powerful and should be something we hunger for. It's your spirit edifying God through words you don't understand. Still something that I struggle to understand now and I'm preaching about it because it's so complex. But it's something you should ask for and you should practice and you should use. But it comes with a warning. It must be used with discernment. Is this tongue for the church? Is it for the good of church? Is this tongue for God? Is it for an individual? Will you interpret this? Or should I speak this between my spirit and you? That's where all these gifts of the spirit come into play together. It's understanding the discernment. When you've got the discernment down, all the other spirits come into play. Because you understand if it's God doing that. And it's the same with tongues. So a church full of people who speak in tongues in private is a church full of the Spirit. It's not the only way a church can be filled with the Spirit. But inherently, tongues is of the Spirit. So a church full of people, full of the Spirit, will be full of the Spirit. Okay? church full of people, full of the Spirit, will be full of the Spirit. Fact. And it is God's way of making right the divide put on language all the way back in Genesis. Through Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and finally his sending of the Holy Spirit, that is him saying, I no longer just choose Abraham's people, I choose all of you. I choose all of you. And the way Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit showed this is by sending the gift of tongues so that all of them could hear in Acts. This is what God chose to do to close the divide after Jesus put in all the hard graft. He's just given us this to practice. To, it's just another way of sharing his word to the nations. And that's what happens here. So I want to end, finally, sorry guys, in Revelations. Revelation 7 to what I believe and what many kind of biblical scholars believe and what I've, what I've kind of studied into and I believe this is the end to that dividing language this is God bringing us all back to where we all started one language in direct communication with him which in essence is, a direct, is the end goal is it not? to be in direct communication with God that's what tongues is our spirit in direct communication with God while we pray for our minds to understand what he's saying 
So in Revelation 7, it says this. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, (coughs) Salvation belongs to the Lord, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the nations were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. Read Revelations to understand that. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So let me. Uh, so that's what I believe is what's coming. Is all nations, all tribes, all languages together with one praising God together. We might not see that in our lifetimes, but if you was there on Friday, the Promised Land is where you'll see that. So let me close in prayer. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is a little bit confusing because it means that we've got to get our teeth stuck into it and we've got to try and understand it. I pray for anybody here that maybe has questions or doubts or misunderstanding or not understanding what tongues is still that they don't just sit thinking, oh, I don't know what, what that crazy man at church said, but that they go home and they study and they hunger for you and hunger for your understanding of this gift, Lord. I pray that it's a gift that this week people hunger for and practice for their spirit to be in line with you and that you bless them with that gift of tongues, that amazing gift of your language, Lord. And I pray that as we leave this place for this week that you will protect our hearts and protect our bodies, Lord Jesus, and just let us just have a great week and just give us opportunities to share your word throughout the world, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.